Live from London, this is The Twilight Show with Leanne Lax. Hi guys, welcome to The Twilight Show. You've got me, Leanne, and I'm here till 7.30. Today we are talking maths, problem solving, and understanding. Really important part of the maths curriculum in primary, hopefully in high school as well. Uh, we were also meant to be talking dance with the best dance teacher. I've had to change that though. Uh, and we're going to be talking about massive year group jumps. So please text in. Live from London, this is The Twilight Show with Leanne Latz on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi everybody, welcome to your Thursday night with your host me, Leanne Lax, coming to you from my living room. I am sorry I'm logging in a little bit late, but you know, as we all are teachers, hopefully you can understand that I had a bit of a hectic day, traffic coming home, but I am here, ready to chat with all of you bit of a, as I like to call it, teacher therapy on the table for tonight. Let me know how your week's been. Um, let me know if you've had any really positive experiences at school or any that have not been so positive. I know we all go through them. Um, I've definitely had a bit of a week of it this week. Thankfully, we've all got petrol this week. Nice to know that there are no massive queues for petrol and us teachers can get to school and no home learning for us. Um, I know if you follow us on Twitter, you saw that I was supposed to have Fraser, and he is the most amazing dance teacher, the most energetic, the most soulful, the most complimentary dance teacher on the planet. And in lockdown, I did a lot of his dance classes, but unfortunately, we have had a bit of an edit on our guest list tonight. We still have Gareth Metcalf, and I first came across Gareth Metcalf during, I think, one of our first lockdowns. Um, if you don't know Gareth, he is the director of IC Maths, and he's the author of the IC Reasoning and IC Problem Solving Maths Resources. Um, and basically, they are maths resources for the whole primary curriculum. And they're not just your regular kind of worksheet, guys. They are really uh, a lot of open-ended problem solving questions. It's, I can't remember what it's called, and I meant to Google it, but I had a, a little bit like getting into the show today, but I think it's low floor, high ceiling. I think that's what it is. Maybe someone can correct me if they're in the chat and they know what I'm talking about. Um, I am no longer in year six. I'm in reception now, so I'm losing some of my vocabulary, unfortunately. Um, and I first came across him when I was just about to go into year six, and I thought, my goodness, I better sort out my subject knowledge on maths because maths has never been my favourite subject. And if you've listened in before, I have definitely talked about maths not being my favourite subject. I've had my fair share of English hosts on the show and I do love a good old chat about English. I especially love a good old chat about history. History is my favourite subject and I am waiting, still waiting, to become history coordinator somewhere, somewhere in a school, that would be amazing, um, but not happened yet. So yes, yeah, so we've got Gareth on and it's going to be amazing. Um, we always like to talk to subject specialists and I think as primary school teachers we are sometimes jack of all trades. Um, and like I said before, I know maths has never been my strong suit. I think the maths skills test that we had to do that I don't think is, uh, don't even exists anymore. The maths skills test, guys, is the hardest test I think I have ever done in my life. 
harder than my GCSEs, my A-levels and my degree. So if uh, anyone out there feels the same way, please let me know. Did you have to do the skills test? How did you find it? Do you have a favourite subject? Like I said, I'm a, I'm a history person. History is my favourite subject to teach. Um, I love to bring history alive. Saying that, I do feel quite strongly that maths needs a bit of comprehension in it. Uh, a skill that we generally associate with the English curriculum. So I'd love to know what Gareth thinks about that. That would be really interesting because uh, I know that in the primary curriculum, a lot of emphasis now is put on <clears throat> understanding the maths and not just giving the answer. In fact, I was having a conversation with a child today about how it's not just about us getting the answer or our friend giving us the answer. It's actually more important that we understand how to get to the answer. And I did a lot of sometimes in, in, in year six when you get a lot of children and myself included that are actually a bit scared of doing the maths. Um, and I found that giving them the answers, whilst it may seem a little bit backwards going forwards, I give you the answers and actually you can just show me how I got that answer. And I really loved doing it that way. I think it was a really nice way to kind of take away the unknown like you know Miss Lax has given me the answers okay I don't feel so scared about trying to to work it out and also I can self-mark straight away because if I'm doing workings and I don't get the answer Miss Lax has given me then I maybe I've, I must have gone wrong somewhere and I know straight away and then I can go back and almost problem solve immediately so yeah so Gareth says and I can see from the, the work he's put into this the IC maths and the IC reasoning that he's incredibly passionate about putting reasoning and problem solving at the heart of the mathematics curriculum and my kind of uh, key phrase and my line to the children especially when I was doing year six last year is and actually I used the line today is you know in a few years time when these children are doing looking for jobs and going out into the job market a lot of the things that you can kind of the, the answers you can give me I can actually work them out on a calculator and I think in this day and age it's not so much about finding the answer it is about understanding how you got the answer and understanding how to, how to get to the answer um being able to explain it to another person I think that's really important so yeah we're going to be talking maths I'm a little bit scared guys like I said not my favorite subject I am a history person and a bit of an English person, but I think it's really important to talk to specialists and to um, get everybody problem solving in school. Sometimes we, we feel, and I'm guilty of this, that the problem solving only goes to the, the tops or the top sets or the working at greater depth children, but the way Gareth has made his resources is just amazing and there is something in there for everybody. Um, and it's all about understanding the maths. They're not long tasks. There's lots of there's a variety of tasks. There are similar tasks that come up um, for each subject in the maths curriculum. <clears throat> and I just I really loved it, and I really think the children really loved it as well because it looked a bit different to what we usually gave them. So, but I have to be honest with everybody. Before I purchased his pack online, I emailed him, I think on twi Twitter or something, and I said, do the math, do the answers come with the pack? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, definitely, I will have that. And it's amazing. And I have told many colleagues about it. Um, and it was really, it was a good, a great resource. So have a look at it. Um, I'm sure Gareth will talk to us all about how he came up with the ideas, because it is a mammoth resource pack, guys. You really, it really is. You need to 
have a look at it. It is it was a, a lifesaver, definitely. So I think we have uh, Gareth coming into the studio in a bit. Just gonna have a little bit of a longer chat, uh, introduce the show to you guys. So like I said, I was meant to have Fraser on. Unfortunately, uh, we had a bit of a change in the lineup. So I, after Gareth, um, I'm going to be talking about the massive year group jumps that I have made and what I learned from those year group jumps. Um, I actually spoke about it on the weekend at Research Ed. I don't know if anybody in the room was there. Were you listening in? Um, uh, what I learned from it and uh, how I've taken that knowledge with me into reception because uh, my year group jumps look like a really crazy maths problem, probably like from one of Gareth's activity books. Um, I have done uh, year one up to year six, back down to year one for two years, then back to year six and now down to reception. So uh, I count myself as quite lucky being able to see all the different ends of the year group. Hi Gareth, I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you in in a few minutes. Um, yeah, count myself quite lucky to have been able to see where do the children begin and where do they have to end. And definitely when I made my first year group jump, I noticed a lot where the gaps were, especially in maths, actually, um, and where the links were between the curriculums. So hopefully Gareth can tell us a little bit more about that. So it was going to be a strange mixture, maths and dance. And as teachers, I think we're all used to strange mixtures throughout our days. Uh, I'm sure you can all tell me about some strange mixtures that you've had during the day. I have definitely had that. A frog and a classroom, not the best mixture. Thank God I had an amazing TA. Um, yeah, so we we're going to have a strange mixture. We're not so much. We're going to talk maths and then we're going to ease into massive year group jumps. Um, and if you are listening in your primary, have you done massive year group jumps? Let me know how you've handled it, anything that you've learned from it. Um, and if you are high school, I'd love to know what is it like teaching year seven and then going to your next period and teaching year 11. Love to know what that's like. Um, I always uh, take my hat off to my high school colleagues because I could never do it. Even year six was a push for me. So happy to be back with the little ones. But um, yeah, I'm just going to bring Gareth into the studio and we can talk maths. Hi, Gareth. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, I've got I've got you. Can you hear me? Yeah, Amazing. Fantastic. It's great to be here. Oh, thanks very much. I've got to say, I've been wanting to get you on for ages ever since I saw your resources as a, a year one teacher moving into year six. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, talking about big year group jumps, mine was six year six down to year one. I'll wow. never forget that one. Yeah. The, the, there was so much that I actually learned where, where I thought, you know, if I go back into year six, I would do this again. Mm -hmm. And it was always around like the importance of the little details that you could kind of get away with a little bit more in year six. Yeah. Like, you know, the whiteboard pens aren't working. And all <laughs> of a sudden there'd be lessons would be falling to the knees with uh, with these, you know, with the five year olds. Um, around just the simple little logistics so absolutely it's such a big jump but I don't know like I'm sure you saw it as well being the maths uh, connoisseur that you are that I saw the gaps that were in the year six like their knowledge in maths that I possibly would never have seen if I hadn't made that massive jump yes and it's actually it's funny that we talk about that class because I actually went back to see them um the, the, just over the last couple of weeks and they're mm. now in year six as well oh um, wow so it, it was great kind of seeing those same children projected forward and yeah. uh, and actually kind of seeing the progress that they'd made it was um you know because you put your heart and soul into them so then going to see them in year six was 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 fabulous 
That's amazing. So I introduced you a little bit, but um, maybe if you could like give us a little bit of a bio about you. Um, I know you're really passionate about maths, but I guess you're also a primary school teacher at the same time. So kind of. Yeah, well, my background, I, so I, I started teaching in uh, in Cambridgeshire for a year and then I, I got a job at a school just uh, just outside of Manchester. So I was there for 12 years wow. uh, absolutely, and absolutely loved the school. You know, I was in, in, in truth, I was. I was really sad to leave, which I did about uh, about four years ago, because I, I wanted. I, I, by that point, I'd done quite a lot of work, um, doing some mass training, writing resources, supporting schools and the local authority. And I guess what I wanted to do was to really sew myself into maths teaching as fully as I possibly could. And so to do so, so what I what I did is I managed to arrange to work just teaching maths in a number of different schools in, in, in England and North Wales. So I could teach right from, um, from nursery to year six. Um, and then hopefully be able to kind of create resources and training that will really help, I guess, time-pressured teachers on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been doing that since with the, the notable exception of during lockdown, of course, Mm -hmm. um, when it then became really difficult to get back into the bubble. So um, the, the actual teaching, having been the, I, I probably taught more maths lessons than any other primary teacher for about three years. <laughs> and then I, other than bits that I did on YouTube, I was, um, that's been restricted for the last few years and just starting to get back into schools now, which is great. I think that's where I saw you. I think it was a YouTube video and I did it with um, some of my kids in year six. I can't remember exactly, but it was something to do with like the link between multiplication and addition. Yes. I can't 100% yeah. remember, but there was definitely a video um, based around the activity. Yeah, it was it was a, an amazing because actually the, the, the story there goes that I, it was my daughter's birthday party. Um, and I was chatting to a friend and I kind of said, you know what, I think I'm going to do a lesson a day for children in year three and four, another one for year five and six, mm -hmm. as long as lockdown goes on. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, I was thinking I might be doing it for a month and there's a little Easter in between. And in the end, it was three months. <laughs> but oh, it was it was really fabulous. You know, I was getting work sent through from children, um, you yes. know, all around the country. And so it was it was it was great fun. Yeah, can we call you the Joe Wicks of maths? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think I, uh, I, I, just, I just thought, well, you know, it, it gave me a positive focus and, um, you know, and, and children engaged and, and that. So it was, it was great, really. I think what's really amazing and why I loved your resources is that a lot of the time, I think, with maths, with problem solving, you get things like, like NCTM and mastery. And I just think... That those kind of tasks and like is it enrich? They're so out of reach for some children. Yeah. But but I mean, even for me, like in year six, I used to look at some of them and be like, no, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's no answers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shamefully, and, I was like, where are the answers? And um, oh, and and that I have to say is 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 one of my kind of driving passions is is the idea that problem solving can become the the kind of you know the what the elite do. Absolutely. And, and, and that, it's like, how do we give all children success in problem solving? Mm -hmm. um, and, and how do we actually kind of unmask what excellence looks like in problem solving? And, and particularly high initial success. The thing that I think is really difficult is if we, what, what I probably used to do was give children difficult problems mm -hmm. and 
then you know and then we we look at and and some children can do them and some children can't and Mm -hmm. it's it's not something we would do in other curriculum areas Mm. so that's a big thing that i want to do with all particularly the problem solving resources that i've got is what 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 does coherence look like when we're developing children as problem solvers and i guess try and give teachers the tasks to make that happen I think it's about skills in the maths curriculum and that seems to be a big talking point in a lot of subjects except for maths because you know we get to year six and the focus is just sats and Mm. I I don't know what you think but I've always just thought that the maths curriculum is just a little bit too enormous and we focus on like we do we teach time in year two why do they need to know how to like time in year two I like I wonder some of the subjects that are in the curriculum and I think we'll take those out and we can spend like double the amount of time on number and place value so that well and like sharing so that when they get to year six they can do ratio because it's basically just a few steps up from sharing yeah the the thing as as well I think has become kind of increasingly evident um, after you know all the all the lockdowns is mm. we, we we used to think of learning as in you you must be able to do this by the end of year one and that yeah. by the end of year two mm-hmm. and fill, but actually we all know that you can accelerate children really quickly if they've got those foundations in place mm-hmm. and if we start thinking well by the time children are sixteen we want them to be able to do this what can I do today that will help them on that journey that's not really the same thing as is going through the tick list of they've got to be able to do these things by the end of year two and then those by the end of year three yeah and no. and i know like i've as i say been back working with the the school that i worked at for most of my career and they, they were looking at well what's what what's a recovery curriculum look like and it's like i think we've got to we've got to see it and, and always really just as a long game you know and think well I can lay the foundations for children having success for the long run, but that's not the same as what they'll do to reach, you know, end of year expectations. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a bit of like, I think, I think of it as a bit of a story, you know, Mm -hmm. like we we set the groundwork in the earlier years and then as they go on, they, they, they build upon the story and they use what they know to continue on. But like you say, like with lockdown and everything, there's a lot of building blocks that are missing um, and I think that's why I, I agree with you. Understanding of the maths is so important. And I think sometimes we lose that when we just think sats, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, well, I've got, you know, my year two children and they'll they'll sit the sats paper. Mm-hmm. And when they're subtracting, they uh, should we teach them to draw, let's say, draw eight circles and cross three of them out to do eight, subtract three? Mm-hmm. And... And it's like, well, they, they'll have to do something. And so we think, well, and, and there we've got something that, you know, will be a crutch that will help a child to do a test that mm-hmm. for them yeah. has no significance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but actually, if, we, if we're looking at what do they need to have understanding of like additive structures, of course, we all know it isn't that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's, it's how do we align the... I mean, it's a big question. How do you align the system so that the things that children need for long-term success are those that, you know, a, a teacher has, you know, is is um, incentivized to value as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, I've seen it before, but they teach children to, to draw things in year two so that they can do it in a SATS test. Yes. And it's just so sad, but it's nothing that teachers can do. It's the kind of, I think it's the education system that we're in. Yes, Absolutely. 
And like yeah. you say, it's like as teachers, we have to try and find that balance really of, I guess, teaching to a test and also teaching for understanding and not losing that in year two and year six. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's like one thing that I, I always talk about, and it, it, this is probably a difficult thing when you can't visualise it but mm. uh, on, on, a, on a radio show, but mm-hmm. is, is the idea of children really exploring constant difference in subtraction. That'd be like one example that I'd give. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea that 10 subtract 7 is equivalent to um, 11 subtract 8 is equivalent to 9 subtract 6. And if, if I add and subtract the same amount from the menu end and the subject end, the difference stays the same. Mm-hmm. Now, like that, that's something that we might explore. But like, to what extent might children look at a, a calculation involving three-digit numbers and think, actually, before I do this written calculation, it would be so much easier if I just subtract five from both numbers. Mm. It'll, it'll give me the same answer. I won't need to do any regrouping. Yeah. Um, and where where we've really sewn into that kind of big idea, it's something that naturally children will just will will just do, um, and you know play around with numbers. And and and, and let's say they were doing um, thinking off the top of my head, um, six hundred and four subtract um, three hundred and seventy eight, and I could just think, well, I'll just subtract. Five from the menu end subject hand before I do the calculation, but it's not something that's prioritised because it's not something that you know you, you will, will benefit you in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if we can really value um, those pieces and also to some extent problem solving for all children, mm. um, then then I think you you get the payoff in the long run. I also think that, I don't know if it's a bad way to put it, and I remember having to have this to pass the math skills test, that when you have the understanding, you can not so much use the shortcuts, but, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I forgot about this, but I was teaching long division in year six, and the kids were literally writing every single multiple. Yes. I was like, if you understand the numbers that you're dividing with, you would know that you only need to go to, like, five or, or six, and... That's something, I guess, where building blocks are missing and maybe my fault as well in that I was teaching a method and not teaching how to answer a question. Yeah. But, I mean, one thing that I guess that is, again, one of my passions is, like, if you look at maths, one thing that I'm always interested in is if you look at, like, the first, let's say the first three sentences of a maths policy in a school, and they'll generally say something like, we want our children to be confident, flexible mathematicians, be creative to problem solve, a range of tasks and so on. And then if you read the rest of the document, yeah. it'll, it'll map out, this is how you become fluent. Yeah, a calculation is, policy. It's a calculation, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's a calculation yeah. policy. And, yeah. and, and so if you were to talk to a member of staff and say, okay, so, so this is what we want the children to be able to do. How, what's the best way mm. to do that? Yeah. Then I think that that's something that, and, and listen, this is absolutely not the fault of a teacher. I always feel like yeah. someone in my position, it's always my responsibility to put together a coherent enough um, mm. story of actually what, 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 that, what that is that enables children to get there. Because I do think that there are techniques, whether it's looking at numberless problems for, for word problems, removing numbers so children mm. think about structures and, and looking at deconstructing problem solving and, you know, and having, because I always think there's 101, like you said at the beginning, difficult problem solving tasks for a yeah. year group. You know, yeah. we'd have yeah. no problem finding them. Mm-hmm. But it's almost thinking, how do we coherently teach that thing? These are the precursor skills. How can I build them? And then 
what can I do so when children get to this task, they're going to have high enough success. Mm. And, and that's what, you know, I want to be able to do is create like what I'd call task families. Um, mm. and, and, and so children having kind of related challenges together that teachers can, can toy with. It's, it's so interesting as well, because I used to give your tasks like tops, middles, everybody in the class. Yeah. And actually, because there's so much understanding and explanation involved in a lot of your tasks, sometimes the tops actually struggled more than perhaps like my middles, you know? Yes. Because there's just, I mean, I had a kid in my first year six class who was a human calculator, mm-hmm. but couldn't explain to me how he'd done it. Yeah. yeah. Like no chance. And I, I just, I think it's, like I said at the beginning, it's so important, like in this day and age, that children understand the importance of the explanation over the answer. Yeah. And and it, it's it's interesting you say that, because I've done, I've done some work on, um, with, with groups of teachers looking at, like particularly deconstructed wording, deconstructing mm. worded problems. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and what we might do is cover up a question and the information that's required to answer a question. So let's say, like an example I'd often come to is, let's say you've got some prices for, for items and and the information might be, um, Gareth buys two t-shirts and a bag um, and then he pays with ten with a £10, £20 note and then it's the question is how much change does he get? Mm-hmm. And, and I always say, if, if you cover up the information with a blue box, question with a red box, and I could say, right, what could the question be? Mm-hmm. And let's say we generate the question might be um, how much does he spend or how much change does he get or how much more money does he need? And then and then I could reveal the question or how many bags can he afford or whatever it is. And if I reveal the question, so let's say I reveal the question is how many bags can he afford is the question. I, I could say, um, so what information must be hiding under that blue box to mm-hmm. be able to answer the question, how many mm-hmm. bags can he afford? Now, the feedback that teachers give is you wouldn't believe that the higher attaining children find this mm. frustrating and difficult because they're, yeah, they're yeah. used to automating that process yeah. and, and suddenly they, they can't. Yeah. They, they're used to using a method and knowing the method back to front. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I always thought, like, and we, we're using a, a scheme in our school now that teaches, I think, like every method under the sun. Yeah. And I always thought that kind of te- doing it like that and then asking children to choose a method was more for, like, the higher – the more able children in maths. I don't, I don't know what you think about kind of yeah. giving every method possible and then letting children choose. I wonder if for some children that's a bit overwhelming. Um, yeah, I, I, it's interesting because without wanting to name the scheme, one of the, one of the <laughs> schools that I work with have, have had that same issue in that I, I would say that there is benefit there, but in, in an individual lesson, I've seen children then being overwhelmed by all the mm. different representations. So I think it's looking over time. And it probably comes back to the comment you made as well about um, what, what, do we, what do we need to teach? Mm-hmm. Um, because if we have the time to really explore some of these ideas in, in depth, then we might have the time to individually build children's understanding those different representations and make the connections and so on. But, you know, what, one thing that you can't do is just um, create more time. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it is that thing of, of, of prioritizing. I also know for me, it's about like, what do teachers need to know in terms mm-hmm. of subject knowledge? And when I first got asked to move into year six, I was like, but like, I don't, I'm not great at maths. Like I don't love it. And my, one of my senior leaders went, yeah, but you passed the skills test. I was like, if you only knew what I went <laughs> through to pass the math skills test, you wouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah. But I mean, I, I do think there's also, it, it, it perhaps is more time consuming if you don't have that subject knowledge. Mm. But I think there's great benefit as well in where teachers really in year six really have to dig in to the understanding yes, to yeah. empathize with children in those difficulties. Because I think otherwise it, it can be hard to understand what those pieces are. Yeah, because I, I mean, think, yeah, go on, sorry. I was just saying, when I moved to year one, it, it was like mm-hmm. an, ed- an education a lot of the yeah. time, thinking, right, where did that come from? <laughs> you know, in this child's mind, that answer they've just given isn't illogical. Yeah. And it's my challenge to figure where it came from. Mm-hmm. Like, like, let me give you one example, which, which was that there was, uh, there was a lad that I always remember who, <laughs> where, he was looking at a clock, a, an, an analogue clock, and he, he would say that the yeah exactly there we go again that the time when when it was half eight he would mm. say the time it was half nine yeah and and I couldn't work out what was happening at all I was thinking why right. does he think it's half eight and mm. then eventually I figured that like the hour hand if the hour hand is below three it's mm. after three but mm. if the hour hand is below nine it's before nine yeah and it's like how confusing is that yeah um so yeah and and as i say being able to understand like th- mm. this is why this isn't obvious yeah. is a, it, sometimes this is like a superpower i think yeah i think and I, I i really think believe this strongly that i mean i didn't do a bachelor's i did a pgce but mm-hmm. like none of us are child psychologists yeah. And like your point is like really leads into that in that I wish I knew what was going on inside their brains because yeah. like like you say it would give us more understanding of them and why they see maths in certain ways. Um, yes. And I just wish I I understood children's uh, brains a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would make me a better teacher. <laughs> uh, absolutely. But but it, and it's so difficult as well because we talk you know talk a lot about cognitive load. Um, mm. for children but like mm. the kind of cognitive load for a teacher to you know when you've got so many things to attend to and you've this kind of surveillance um, and you're thinking about 101 things to then be able to stop and have the kind of stillness to be able to think right why does Johnny think this and not that and where's that come from and it's it's almost thinking to him that answer is logical mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I've and I've got to think like what, why is that and and how do i you know and and how do i speak into that and it's really difficult and i mm. think you know it's just i guess important for teachers not to beat themselves up as well really yeah because you i think a lot just comes from reflection well i say experience and reflecting on your experience as well i think do you do you think it's true and i've always thought of myself this that some children just don't get math till a certain age or is it because they've not had the building blocks yeah, I mean, I, I I would say that from all the experiences that I've had, that in almost in almost always, I think it is about the building blocks. Um, then, and and uh, people do talk about, I guess, having having moments where everything comes together and um, mm. the kind of and 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 maybe it's where your kind of emotional relationship to maths changes to some extent as well. Yeah, but. Yeah, but I, I I do think that like the the issue is where maths becomes or or children like experience maths is inaccessible for so long, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's almost a bit like I always think um, 
I think, I think about this with my children. It, it, it's like when you watch the children having a game of football and the kids who are good at football end up playing, you know, they kind of dominate the match and they get more practice mm. in the match. Mm-hmm. And so they end up kind of getting better. And it's like success breeds success. And I think sometimes in maths, I wonder how many children just don't understand some of the precursor parts. Yeah, yeah. And then they go through years of maths lessons not having participated as fully. Mm. Um, and, and then we kind of naturally see the consequence of that a little bit down the line. Yeah, no, definitely. So c- can I ask, uh, where does your passion for maths come from? Because uh, maybe I'd like to go go find some. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I, I actually think that it it's probably that I, I have had, had some of my best classroom moments with the kind of developing children in terms of the kind of logical thinking and the problem solving and 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 watching them kind of engage i think the thing that that i that is makes me passionate about maths is is the way that it engages children kind of um obviously cognitively but also emotionally Mm. and and when particularly seeing children have success in problem solving and, and the kind of the range of like I guess the kind of uh, emotional struggle when you're engaging in really great problem solving. And I've always found that and I've always experienced it as being really meaningful. And, and I guess to some extent it was where then I decided, well, this is the area of education where I can have the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that's, that's kind of where it, where it, it came from. And, and, um, yeah, and, and, and still kind of still drives me on because I also think that within that, like I was, you know, like everyone, I was so ridiculously time pressured. So I remember when I started doing, uh, I was full-time assistant head working in year six. We had, there was quite an extreme situation at our school at the time. So I had to do a management responsibility. I had young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really passionate about being a great teacher. And you just think, this is how teachers live. We're so time pressured. And I guess my passion is how do I help a very passionate but extremely time pressured teacher to make like great maths and particularly great problem solving experiences, reasoning problem solving experiences. How can I make that happen in their or help them to make that happen on a day-to-day basis in their classroom? Um, And I realized that if I was actually going to do that, I would have to step out of having too many you know too many different responsibilities to try and um to try and drive at that and and in truth I absolutely loved where I was and my my job um and I miss it in many ways you know the kind of the group of people I work with but um yeah but the the passion for maths is is burns as brightly as ever yeah I think I can always tell when I talk to guests that have a certain passion for like a specific subject or like you know English and maths and, and you can always tell and especially I mean our borough doesn't have so many anymore but the subject specialists yeah um and you can always tell when you go to listen to some who has that passion for their subject um and I just we've we had one but I think she's not in the borough anymore I just think like how sad to have lost all that knowledge yeah yeah and and the thing is I have to say as well like it, it, it's, it's since I've I've gone into this field of focusing on mass education there's so many people for whom this mm. is their great passion mm-hmm. you know and uh, and so much good work has been done I, I I still feel at the minute the emphasis has been on I think you you, you kind of look at it in terms of the children's attainment uh, nationally where you mm-hmm. see the progress has been made in children's 
fluency mm. um, generally. You know, uh, how, how often it is that we're good at the, uh, sorry, we're good at the arithmetic paper. Yes. Yeah. Not so good at the reasoning ones. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I hope to kind of be a, a voice that, that helps to move things forward in that way as well. But it is, yeah, there's so many great people I've met along the way that I've, I've kind of learned from as well. I'm sure, absolutely. I think it's to change the mindset of senior leaders as well, because, I mean, I've heard it many times, being having spent two years in year six and also year two, and like you, you talk about the arithmetic paper and the mindset and the comment is, let's get, like, we get most of the marks in the arithmetic paper and you yeah. pick up a few extra marks on the reasoning and, and yes. that, that that pushes you over to yeah. working at. but. Yeah. Like I, I look at the reasoning papers and I, and I had to do a fair few in lockdown just to make sure I could teach it. And yeah. I think, I think like, is this actually a reasoning paper? Because then I look at tasks like the ones you have and I think that's reasoning, open-ended reasoning. Yeah. And actually, it's not really a reasoning paper. It's a paper full of word problems. Yes, that's right. And, and I, I, like I have an issue with that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that one of the, again, if, if we come into the head teacher who says, and understandably because they're under pressure, yeah, um, yeah. well, we can we can nail the arithmetic. I also yeah. think part of that is the clarity with which um, the the teaching the, the the staff would know. Well, this is what we would do if we really want the children to understand worded questions and 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 understand deep structures and. The, the arithmetic, it's almost it's slightly more linear how you get there. And, and again, I think it's, it's really important to have a, like a, par- a powerful narrative on actually how do children understand structures. But I, again, I agree with you. A lot of it is maths packaged in word problems mm-hmm. rather than being genuine, like problem solving. Because like I always remember, and this is a slightly odd thing, but I, I always remember a day like it would have been a long time ago now where a, a newspaper arrived and then they kind of, back section of it were all these kind of was a feature on like an Einstein riddle and all these genuine like problem solving uh, logic puzzle tasks and I remember doing it with my brother and it was great and it, he was I have to say and I hope he's not listening uh, he was he's a lot better than me you know he, he was a fabulous mathematician and and um and I wasn't at, at that kind of like I did a level but I wasn't mm. uh, but it was you know, it, it was a really emotionally enriching and it was genuine problem solving. And I would love it also if over the course of time um, that became a really the heart of the maths curriculum. Yeah, just to, I think it, it just needs a bit of shredding sometimes, the maths curriculum. I mean, I was talking last week to um, someone from the CLPE and uh, I heard her talk on a cpd once saying that the art curriculum is two pages and the english curriculum is 55 pages yes like like we you know we're all teachers we can all infer things from those numbers but i don't even know how long the maths curriculum is i I hate to think but it just seems like we we don't have the time like you said we're so time constrained and in primary and i'm sure in high school as well but in primary it's from one subject to the next um and we don't have the, I think, like the luxury of kind of picking and choosing the, the important parts of a curriculum, being that none of us are in government. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there is that. And, we, and, we, <laughs> and we, we, we work within the constraints that we work within. Um, but I mean, one thing that, again, I found really interesting is actually been, and it's only, I've only done bits and bats, but it's actually working in um, with, with 
teachers who work in different in different countries. So I've done quite okay. a, well. I've done quite a lot in Wales. I've done right. um, just tiny bits in in Scotland. I actually had a meeting this morning, as it happens. And this sounds very grandiose, and it really doesn't happen. <laughs> like this was literally a first. But of a uh, I had a, a five thirty a.m. Zoom with two oh schools in, in Australia. Oh my god! And yeah, and and, and they were they were talking about well. And again, I find it fascinating because they were saying, "Well, we, we've we've done a lot around um, around uh, number talks and and open ended investigations and discovery learning, and we found that actually what what happens is that the children that, who already can do it are successful in that context. The children that can't don't have success, and mm. and you know, and how do we marry a desire to give children success in more open ended tasks with?" you know the power of direct teaching and mm. i think it's but it, it's really interesting seeing the similarities and the differences and, w- and when we're talking about well what's determining whether children have success mm. it's probably not the detail of the you know what's on the curriculum as much as actually the kind of the pedagogy that and and the beliefs that underpin that i think yeah i think success as well is it's about the journey isn't it and i think yes maths is probably the best subject to, to use that analogy with it's about going on that journey and um, picking up different skills along the way but I think I guess when it comes to open-ended and problem solving it's not it's not just about the maths it's about having the skill set to be able to do that what kind of what, what kind of skill set do you think children need to kind of approach those kinds of questions yeah well I, I think that um a lot of a lot of that. If we're looking at more, are we are we talking like more kind of problem solving type I think, questions? Yeah, yeah, open ended yeah. problem solving. Yeah. I mean, there's a degree to which I think it's about children having like automating enough of the processes mm. so that they've got enough capacity in the work in in our limited working memory to mm-hmm. focus on the actual structure of a task. Um, and then I actually think in terms of the teaching approach, it's almost looking well. How do I scaffold like where do I want the difficulty to come from Mm -hmm. and how do I scaffold the rest of the task so that the actual the nuts and bolts of the problem solving bit is the only place that challenge comes from Mm -hmm. and so so let's say if I was looking at a a year six sats worded question that we might call this problem solving because it's got like three different steps Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and, and often if you look at the number range that's used children are lost because actually the calculation's difficult mm-hmm. and understanding the structure's difficult. Mm-hmm. And so what I would think about is, is how do I actually make this accessible, make, like minimize the challenge in that area mm-hmm. so that I can focus children's thinking on understanding the deep structure of a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing I guess that I'm really like big on is keeping a lot of like when I say routines the same, I do mean like like classroom routines, but almost being consistency with this is the way that these are the types of reasoning tasks that we give in the school that children access, whether that's looking at misconceptions or small difference questions, what I like to call them, or how many ways mm. tasks, mm-hmm. so that children are used to seeing the structures, but then they just apply them in different areas of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you, because it, if it's the first time that you're introducing a particular kind of reasoning task, you probably lose a lot of the thinking to actually explaining how you do this kind of task. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if there's a kind of consistent approach with this is how we approach reasoning, 
this is how we teach problem solving. That's not just what Mr. Metcalf does in year five. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we all have this collective agreement to this is how it's built. That's where I feel we end up with real, sustained, long-term success for children and they get a coherent maths journey. I think that's important. I mean, I've, I've always struggled a bit as to how do you teach problem solving without kind of giving the solution away. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense, but I've yeah. never like I know how to teach a method, but teaching how a pro, how to solve a problem, I guess there's a fine line between teaching them how to do it and te- teaching them kind of how how to work out how to do it. You know. Yes, and it, again, it's it's difficult on, on the radio without being able to exemplify that. But the thing, the kind of overarching thing that I would think about is giving children as well. Um, related problems together so it might be an example i might give is let's say you've you've done a one problem solving task and the context it's wrapped up in is packing eggs in boxes Mm -hmm. um now what i might do is give children a related question but where the context is different if you like the surface features are different so Mm -hmm. so now we're not packing eggs in boxes but maybe it's another context that that where the maths is broadly speaking similar or or maybe we use a similar context but it's almost like if problem solving tasks that i do one problem solving task and it's completely different from the next one children can't connect Mm. those experiences but if i if i even one thing that i've looked at doing is taking a problem solving task and writing like easier versions of it Mm. that build up to a more difficult one and so children are able to see like if I was doing a science experiment I would Mm. see right if I can change this one thing then I I appreciate the effect that that change has if I change one variable Mm -hmm. and often like in in maths if if I give children a problem and then give them another one with another feature added say or you know where where the difference between them isn't too great then children are maybe able to make those connections um which is where i believe you know the difficult what, what i don't what i don't think works is here you go kids here's a difficult problem yeah um what i think does make a bigger impact is either thinking right this difficult problem the children can't access it because they don't have these precursor skills i'm mm. going to build them first make sure they're fluent with them before they get to this task or giving the children a, a, a problem or, and then and giving related problems around it and can children see the connections between them? So I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of an example because I, n- I never <laughs> want to talk in metaphors. Let, let, let's say if I was to say, uh, what one that I've used before is um, Tim earns uh, £15 a day for doing some gardening and he, and he does it for, for a week. H- how much does he earn in a week? Might mm-hmm. be question one. And then mm-hmm. question two might be, um, might be Amy plays the... Um, piano for 15 minutes a day for a week so Mm. how many how many hours and minutes does she play for overall and and those two questions are related but they're not the same Mm -hmm. because on the second one I've got to convert the number of minutes into hours and minutes Mm -hmm. but I can kind of see that that's the only thing that's changed and so it maybe helps to show the structure Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think as I say finding ways that problem solving isn't just Here's a difficult task that you either can do or you can't, but giving children those ways in and and having a, like a, a, them seeing lots of different examples um, 
and being able to see those connections is, is really key. I know that's how you do it. You've got um, small difference questions. Yeah. Um, and I think, like you said, it's you know you use the you use the same numbers, and and I really believe that as well. That if you minimise the challenge in the number area, so like say I'm teaching algebra, I don't have to use massive numbers to teach the concept of algebra. Yeah. And actually, if I'm using numbers one to ten, I can still teach the concept, and it takes the scariness away from it because they're just learning the concept they don't really have to think so much about the calculations yeah absolutely and um and i think as well it, it, it's just really important like i couldn't think of anything more important for a school to have coherence around than actually this is how we teach reasoning and problem solving because we, you know we, we know like maths the 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 importance that maths has for a child's kind of long-term prospects and mm -hmm. i think that like the research that points to reasoning being a more powerful predictor of children's long-term success yep. than fluency absolutely um but that kind of um how that manifests on a tuesday morning for a time-pressured <laughs> teacher mm -hmm. that we all understand and so the children have a coherent experience i think is 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 a massive question for, for schools to be able to answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think, I've always thought this, that the maths curriculum can learn a bit from the English curriculum um, in terms of, like, guided groups in maths. I don't know what you think about that. You know, we do guided reading in English where we guide children through a story. So, like, why don't we make time for that in the English, in the maths curriculum where we, we guide them through problems kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And, and actually, and again, this is kind of coming from the work that um, I've done in North Wales, where in England, there's perhaps been an approach, like a pedagogy that's been um, put forward, which is perhaps more of the whole class teaching. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that there's, you know, that these aren't maybe the kind of crucial elements. And uh, in in schools in North Wales, there's kind of more of a guided group approach, and but but I think that the actual the, the kind of using the related tasks together and that having those that coherent approach to the to the pedagogy is is kind of where the is where the magic is whether whether yeah. that is whole class guided groups. Um, there's, there's like a, a, a lot of talk around should we be mixed ability same ability. Um, and and so on and and I think it's um, I think it's it's really around how do children actually learn and do we break down this problem solving task they have success and you know and it, it's almost like if we're looking at mixed attainment well how is it that we facilitate that and what are the kind of question types that enable that to be successful rather than thinking we can take what we already do and just drop children into different ability groups and and mm. for them to be able to be successful. I think question types is really important. Can you what, tell us a bit more about uh, like your resource is incredible? It must have taken you ages. I don't even, I don't even know yeah. where you would have began. And I, I know I don't think I don't know if you remember it was a while ago, but before I bought it, I met I I sent you an email. I said, "Are there answers?" <laughs> okay, um, yes, that's the most common question I get. Yeah, is yeah. it? That's yes, hilarious. it is. Well, because you yeah. don't get it with the NCETM stuff, and yes. I just think like, no, thank you. I like yeah. you say we're, we're so time constrained, yes. and they're really difficult problems. And actually, my and my parents, I don't know if they're listening, but my brother is an accountant, yeah, um, and very good at maths. But I, I've I've recently realised that there's a very big difference between 
being able to do the maths and being able to understand and explain the maths. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, well, well. The story of of where the resources came mm. from. Probably the, originally, it was the school that I was working at. We we had a very bespoke approach to. It is almost before the new curriculum came in, and we and we had a, what we call our mass learning cycle, and we were looking at really developing reasoning questions and so on a long time ago when perhaps the textbooks weren't of as high a quality, mm-hmm. and at that point we were actually writing our own questions ourselves, and one of the things I did a long time ago was was wrote down these are the kind of generic question types mm-hmm. that we will use in the school to build mm-hmm. children's understanding. And so I would do it and I would write those questions like every day. So I'd write every question that children would answer in my class every day. Wow. And I did that for a number of years. And mm-hmm. so really by the time that I actually came to, because the first resource that I published was actually something that was quite different and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> and, but, but that was much further down the road of, problem solving and that kind of context-based problem solving and I actually found that it was more the things that I would use on a day-to-day basis that teachers had the demand for which mm-hmm. I've been faithfully writing mm-hmm. rather than some of these tasks like I, I we used to have like tasks that would take more like three days for children to complete <laughs> yeah that mm-hmm. was called the maths apprenticeship right um and that was the first resource that I ever that I ever published um but I found that it was really just these little I remember writing a blog when um, really, you know, a long, long time ago when I was just starting to have a voice around maths. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really what I thought were quite s- simple kind of structures of questions that um, will get children thinking a little bit more deeply. So it might be certain questions with visual representations. And I remember that one day 6,000 people read this blog. Wow. And, and I was like, that is unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, and it was really that that gave me the emphasis to think, right, well, th- this, is, this is actually what will make a bigger difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just how do I take a simple technique like how many ways, um, a question that can be answered in different ways where some children might be able to say, right, there's five answers. I know there's exactly, you know, there can't be any more than five answers because, and be able to tell you what your system is. And, and it was those kinds of questions that I'd been diligently writing and really hadn't thought that that was what people were after. Um, and so since then, I've, I've really thought, well, this is how I can make the biggest difference. And so I have to say, writing resources is very time-consuming and brain I'm sure, wow. Yeah, and so I, I get like, whereas I would easily be able to go to school and, you know, get there early in the morning and leave late at night and feel fresh as anything really, mm-hmm. um, when I'm, I'm, I can only do few hours of writing a problem solving resources a day and then I'm completely goosed yeah no I'm sure absolutely do you have a, a favorite problem solving task or a favorite kind of question I know uh you split them up into different subheadings oh do I have um... a favorite <laughs> task goodness me well well actually the, the, there is one um the, the, there's there's one task that um I wrote in a resource called Maths Outside the Box, mm-hmm. which, which actually was published by um, Alan and Julie Pete. Um, he's, Alan's a literacy guy, a fabulous guy. Okay. Um, and I, I, I will look at kind of recreating that resource, but there, there was one which was like a logic puzzle uh, called The Heist that has mm-hmm. been my favourite ever maths task that I've used in the classroom. And, and again, it, it's a little bit far removed actually from the... So the the kind of things that you'd find in 
that my IC reasoning, IC problem solving documents now, but something that I kind of hope to return to in, in, in a few years and, and write more of. But I mean, the, the, I guess one of the favorite structures that I use are the small difference questions. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're one of my favorite ones for, for getting children where they can all access those questions, but there's real scope for taking children deeper by getting them noticing relationships that exist and creating their own examples. So yeah, so difficult to choose, but lo- lots of different techniques that I love seeing in action. I also I hate to end on the word parents, but yeah. um, I think it, it's difficult for adults as well sometimes helping children, especially lower down the school, because as adults, we, we've forgotten the building blocks. And yeah. I mean, I have a prime example. I was at sports day once and I was adding up scores and it, in column addition. Um, yeah. And one of the parents went, oh, I love that you do it the way you teach the children. And I thought, well, how else would I do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I know, like, whilst I was in year two, there were parents teaching children column addition with remainders. And I was, like, pulling yeah. my hair out. I was yeah. like, please don't do that. They don't understand the remainder. They don't know what it looks like. They can't visualize it. But yes. I think as adults, we know the last method we were taught and we possibly – were never taught to understand it when when we were at school. Yeah, and and it's so difficult. Like it, it was something that I guess I learned from going to year one as well. Mm. Is actually being able to understand just how difficult maths is, mm-hmm. um, even within twenty, yeah. um, and and the time and patience and the and and how children need to be able to visualize and have rich experiences. And and it is a very difficult thing to be able to understand. Um, how challenging early maths is and how much patience is, is required to do that. And that, that will always, I think, be a, a, a battle. And, and also because, I guess, pedagogy and maths, I mean, I believe in particular, pedagogy and maths has changed like night and day from when I went to school. Mm. And I don't know if that's quite the same in, maybe other people will tell me it is, but I don't think that shift is quite as pronounced in other subjects. Yeah. But I think in maths yeah. it is very, very different. And so it's always, I think, going to be difficult for, for parents. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also, when I moved from six down to one, I used to look at tasks and think, oh, this looks so easy, but I'm thinking about the task as an adult. Yeah. And, and I think in the maths curriculum, more than anything, you have to think like a child. And I had to think to myself, well, how many steps is this task actually? Like, yes. I'm looking at it as an adult and I'm just thinking, is that, 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 but actually... I had to stop and like count the steps and think actually these kids are five and there's no way they could carry out that many steps. Yes, yeah. It, it, it's like um, I, I play a game sometimes on training to try and get across how, oh, yeah. dif- how difficult counting on is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, incredibly difficult when you have to coordinate, like, like let's say if you're doing five add three and you've got to be able to go six, seven, eight and count the number of sounds that you said. Mm-hmm. while saying six seven eight and coordinate uh, yeah. that that is one two yeah. three and yeah and you, and you know don't say the five and all of this and that mm-hmm. is so abstract yeah um yeah. And, and obviously reliant on children being able to count three sounds yeah um, absolutely but, so it's, but but very difficult to appreciate yeah no it's hard to think like a child like i said we don't have the the, the educational psychologist training that, that yeah. helps us to do that but yeah, yeah. No, I think, uh, I think, yeah, it's all really important. Like I say, I think that the maths curriculum can learn a bit from the English curriculum um, <laughs> in terms of understanding. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't know about you, but I think maths comprehension's always been quite an important topic for me. Yeah, very interesting. Um, and yeah, how can you answer a question if you don't understand it? Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, so well, thank you very much, Gareth. It's been amazing, and uh, yeah, you, you have inspired I've... me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I've I've really really enjoyed it. Oh, it's been fab, and uh, yeah. Any any last tips for getting a bit of problem solving into our classrooms? A bit of uh, reasoning. Oh, oh, any last tips? So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, the the only thing that I'd say is I, I try and communicate what all my tips are through my resources, and they're, yeah, they're free. On, there's big free samples on the website, so go and have a look. And I hope people, uh, hopefully, people find them useful, even if they only use those ones. Amazing, and I think have you still got also your videos on YouTube? Have you kind of? Yes, they'll all be on there still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The activity. So yeah, if you're not sure how to teach it, you can get Gareth into your classroom, guys. Teach <laughs> <laughs> your maths lesson for you. <laughs> it's quite funny because I'm like quite normally I'd be quite a private person, and I always like shunned the idea of going into school leadership because I always thought I'm not really the kind of front of house kind of guy. <laughs> yes. And then so so one thing I was definitely not intended to do was be a a youtuber <laughs> but there we go yeah, yeah social media influencer for teachers <laughs> yeah exactly it was never in the plan but uh, there we go. well well thanks so much for coming on it's been great chatting and, yeah uh, maybe if you could pop your like your web address in the chat so people can maybe, yeah. like, have a look at your resources and absolutely uh, I, I know I, I sold it at the beginning of the show and it's really something amazing everyone should check out and have you done is it from one all the way up to six I'm not sure yeah, I can't remember it, if you've done for every year group so, so at the moment there is I've put icmaths.com in the chat there, there is a year three year four year five year six mm -hmm. there, there's an ebook that's for key stage one and that will be I hope within this year be replaced by a year one ebook and a year two one so I'm working on that. It depends a little bit on how much I can get in schools to trial them. Yeah. And then I see problem solving for year two is on its way, nearly finished. It's been about three years in production. Amazing. So it eventually we'll get there. Well, you're welcome in my school anytime. <laughs> oh, thank you. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's been amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks right, so much. Cheers. Thanks, thanks. Gareth. Bye. So that is, that's the maths chat, guys. Um, I really would recommend you check out Gareth's resources. They really are amazing. And there is problem solving for every child in your class, which is, which is great. You know, not only giving problem solving to your tops and your middles, but there is a bit of problem solving for everybody. So I have been talking for a very long time. Just going to get some Teachers Talk Radio news. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Megan Goods. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. Schools have faced warnings this week from data privacy watchdogs following the rollout of facial recognition technology in canteens. The systems were initially installed to be more COVID safe, allowing students to make contactless payments. A spokesman for the schools implementing the new technology said the software makes payments faster and over 97% of school communities had given their consent for it to be used.
However, a spokeswoman for Children's Digital Rights Group, Defend Digital Me, argued that biometrics should never be used for children in educational settings. No ifs, no buts. It's not necessary. Just ban it. The focus group recommended that the least invasive option always be used where young people are concerned. Three schools across Buckinghamshire have been targeted this week by anti-vaccination campaigners. The protest groups targeted the schools with loudspeakers, flyers and QR codes which students were encouraged to scan to listen to a song warning them about the alleged dangers of the vaccine. Police were forced to attend one of the scenes to disband protesters. The county remains on red alert for potential anti-vaccine protests at their schools and have had to issue guidance to staff at schools on how to handle demonstrators. That was your latest Teachers Talk Radio News. So, hi guys, welcome back into the studio. You have just got me for the next 25 minutes, so please do type in the chat if you would like to call in. I would love to know what your experience of maths is in the primary classroom, in the high school classroom. Like I say, I always take my hat off to our high school friends, um, and I'd love to, to hear what you guys are doing. I think we can definitely share ideas and share resources across the year groups. Um, I've been to a few high school CPDs uh, during lockdown and I definitely came out with ideas that I really would love to use in my classroom. So um, I just want to go over to a tweet and I mean it is a tweet but it's also something that we all know but I wonder do we really clearly know it and it's about the school year that children are in now and their last normal school year and I think when we talk about building blocks in maths so many children are missing so many blocks at the moment and I wonder do we uh, rebel a little bit against the curriculum and uh, miss out topics to pull those to give children those blocks back or do we kind of just go full steam ahead as if as if they're not missing blocks um so just tell you what it says so the children that are in reception now does never really had a lot their last normal school year in year one have never had a full normal school year in year two never had a full normal school year and I just think reception is such an important year group not so much for curriculum knowledge but we're teaching children how to be little humans um, and I think of school as a story after being at the beginning of the story and the end of the prime the primary school story in that in reception we teach them how to learn in a classroom and we teach them how to behave in the playground and we teach them how to not give up on things and a lot of my reception children have the phrase I can't do it and I said no nope, I can't do it yet and I have quite a few children coming up to me now and they say I can't do it and I say oh, we don't say it like that in this classroom I can't do it yet and then they go off and try and there's just the year ones they really didn't get that chance and I've worked with a, a lot of reception teachers in fact I think it was inevitable that I ended up in reception because a lot of my most of my friends <laughs> my teacher friends seem to be reception teachers so make of that what you will but 
I, I wonder if we can see it now if there's any year one or year two teachers in the chat you know can you tell the difference between these children that that missed out on reception and missed out on all that PSED learning um, on the how to be humans basically so uh, year four last school year year one I mean it's just crazy what these children have been through and that they are still going strong amazing just to see how how children can bounce back and kind of carry on learning so um, that's year four year five their last school year was year two so basically they did sats then we had lockdown and then they're almost back in year six to do sats again so uh very exciting for them uh year four year sevens last normal school year was in year four so we've got children going into high school who haven't had a normal primary school year for two years i just think that's crazy and i remember at research ed on um in surrey on the weekend um there was a high school teacher in my chat where i was talking about the massive year group gaps and we asked him about behaviour in year seven and he said that it's been challenging. And I remember looking at my year sixes last year and thinking, gosh, they just seem so young and not ready for that massive transition. Um, and then we've got year eight, whose last regular school year was year five, year nine, last regular school year was year six. Uh, year 10 last regular school year was their first year in high school and now they're nearly finished high school so god i just think it's it's mad what they've been through and some of the biggest transitions in education and not in primary um the children have uh, kind of had to make miss miss those transitions um and i think reception to year one massive transition um and our current year one children have just missed so much they missed that reception, so they missed all that continuous provision, they missed those opportunities to think about what tasks they'd like to do, and like we were talking with Gareth, the, the skill of thinking and the skill of understanding, and these children haven't had time to practice those skills, um, and then we move them into year one where it's very much more formal, and uh, I just think they, they've missed out on like I say, honing in those um, human skills um, and then that other massive transition, which, gosh, I really, I worried about my year sixes last year, transitioning into high school, into year seven. Um, you know, we were all in bubbles. We were more little communities in our classrooms than we've possibly ever been before. And then we sent these poor little year six children off to high school where they had multiple teachers, multiple subjects, um, multiple classrooms to go to, buildings that were probably double the size of some primary schools. So um, I think the children have been through a lot. And uh, so have I tonight. You heard my voice quite a bit. Just going to go to a little ad break and then I will be back. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more, 
and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. So welcome back into the studio. See, we've got quite a few people in. So can you let me know where you're listening in from? Let me know. Do you teach high school? Do you teach primary? Are you one of my primary colleagues? Um, welcome to the show, and uh, it's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Gareth. I think he's doing some amazing stuff with understanding of maths and providing children with problem-solving experiences. So. I think that's a really great resource for everyone to look into. Um, I said I would talk at the end of the show a little bit about massive year group moves, of which I have done the fair share. So um, I spoke about it a bit at the at, just before the ad breaks, but like I said, some massive transitions in primary school between reception and year one, and then again from year six up into high school into year seven. There's some really big transitions and. I know I've experienced these myself and I said to Gareth that when I moved from year one to year six I almost had to change my mindset as a teacher and not think about just the task and how to do it but think how would a child do the task Um, and I've always been really interested in thinking like a child and I, I remember clearly sitting in my my resource cupboard in my old school thinking could a child actually do this piece of work that I'm suggesting or is it actually too many steps for a four-year-old or a five-year-old to to comprehend and be able to follow through and I've definitely been learning in reception that continuous provision um, as amazing as it is for for the little children sometimes the continuous provision activities that I put out whilst I think they look amazing and let me tell you I would actually quite like to be a child in a clock in my classroom sometimes not that I am tooting my own horn but some of my activities are very fun um sometimes i look at the activity and i think i've had to make it quite adult-led in order to get them to be able to do it and i have to think to myself this is not year six these are four and five year olds who need like a one action task or a two action task um and that's been something that i've really had to think about so um, yeah, very important to, to be able to think like a child. So kind of what else, I guess, did I learn from these enormous year group jumps that I've done from one, being told on Friday that I had a weekend and then I was going into year six from year one. Um, and then again, I've gone back the other way and I've gone from year six all the way down to reception, which I must say is a different ball game to the rest of the school. And I actually think receptions sometimes needs its own qualification. So I'm very lucky in that I am very quite the creative. Uh, I like to come up with activities, whether it be two in the morning or 
eight o'clock when I'm sitting in my classroom thinking I need some inspiration so I'm very lucky in that respect that I'm quite a creative teacher uh, sometimes it's my downfall in terms of sleep deprivation but um, I've been able to use that creativity to my advantage and I think when I look at the curriculum and when I look at gaps that I saw in year six I almost like to think of it as as a story and like I said before as we're setting up the children setting the scene in reception um, and not just think of the, the curriculum in the following years as a tick list. I think sometimes we think we've got a tick list to accomplish, and especially in those years where the children have to do the SATs tests, we think, oh, I have all these objectives to get through. And it's true, we do have all these objectives to get through, but I'd like to think of it not so much as a tick list, but of how do I get between the ticks? So how do I get from my one tick to my next tick on my list? Um, and not just think about ticking them off, but thinking about the links between the ticks. Um, again, similar kind of thing. It's not just about A to B. It's about how did I get from A to B in the journey between, like I said, the journey between, let's say, addition and then repeated addition and then multiplication. How do we see the links between those subjects? And I think it's not just about the adults seeing the links. It's about making children aware of the links between all the math topics. Because um, I think sometimes children just go through primary school from year group to year group. Um, we do a little transition activity um, at the end of the uh, summer term where, I don't know, they do lovely arty activities. And then that's kind of it. And then they move on to the next year group. And I think it's really important that children understand that there are links between the year groups. Um, and that if you were taught about, I'm not sure, let's let's say um, adjectives or nouns and then you go into your next year group and you move on to uh, expanded noun phrases let's bring back our knowledge from the previous year groups and let's make children aware that they have knowledge already you know yes I'm teaching you a new concept but you have previous knowledge that is there to help you with new concepts and I think it's really important that children are aware of that um, I'm still trying to find uh, the, the way to put that into place in reception because uh, they've definitely learned things already. Um, but I think it, it's really important to, to make sure children understand the links between the year groups um, and that it's not just about the end product. It's not just about that. It's about the process and how do we get from the beginning of the year all the way through to the end. Um, and fostering confidence in children, so important at the moment. They've missed so much, um, missed so many lessons. I mean, I know even with online learning, you know, especially with year six, there was just, we, we couldn't talk to the children. And I think discussion is just so important in every classroom. And it's a big thing in reception um, vocabulary. Um, and I always like to ensure that children are answering questions fully. I know that's a big push, especially in the maths curriculum. So that's really important to me. Um, and um, yeah, so what do you guys think? We've got quite, quite a few people listening in. So let me know what you think in the chat. I'd love to know um, if you see school as a journey, if you see it as a story, how do we ensure the children see it as a journey and that they don't just go from year group to year group looking at them as separate entities, these different year groups. So I think that's really important. 
Um, well, thanks for listening in, guys. It's been a really great show. And like I say, maths is not one of my favourite subjects, but people like Gareth and Gareth's kind of resources open it out to all different kinds of teachers and all different kinds of children. So I would really recommend you have a look at it. Um, and such a shame that we couldn't have Fraser on the show because I am sure he would have lightened up the, lightened up the studio with his enthusiasm um you've got me instead for the next few minutes so hopefully uh, you're enjoying the show and you have taken something from it because i think as teachers we can be a little bit lonely sometimes standing in our classrooms facing 30 children maybe even more than that so hopefully i really hope you've been able to take something away from the show that you can really implement into your classrooms um i know i've tried to implement understanding of maths and problem solving and reasoning very much so into my math teaching and even into reception I always think to myself when I'm talking to the children how is what I'm saying to them going to benefit them as they go through school and even as they go through life um I know when I was in high school when maths was not my favorite subject I used to think oh I would like to be a chef I'm never gonna need maths that's so not true and anyway Leanne talking to my past self you ended up teaching maths in year six teaching long division so um yeah really important um so let me know what you guys think do you have a a picture of how the school year should go of what it should look like I'd really love to know your thoughts I have been talking for a very long time so just going to go to my last ad break and then I will be back to wrap up the show so thanks for listening I'm just going to go to one last ad break. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Well, welcome back into the studio, guys. Near it, we're coming to the end of the Twilight Show, nearly. And thank you so much for joining me. I thought I would just end on a little bit of a bring all the ideas together kind of thing. So, what were kind of the key takeaways from my chat with Gareth? Um, 
really I'm so on board with understanding the maths and Gareth problem solving really does that so that's really important um, I also think it's important to think about where should the difficulty come from in the tasks we are giving the children do we want the difficulty to come from the numbers do we want it to come from the method do we want it to come from how I approach the problem and in that case we need to teach the skills of how to break down a problem and Gareth mentioned at the beginning something that I have done that really threw the kids off in terms of you give them a word problem but you take out the numbers and it really gets them to, to talk about the problem more so than they ever would have done because I think and I, we're guilty of this in terms of let's think before we put pen to paper and I've tried to kind of teach that now in reception in that we, we did painting today and we painted African sunsets and I said well what do we do before we even pick up a paintbrush um, I said we need to think we have to think about which colors do we need and I think it's a really important mindset for children to have in that we teach them how to approach problems and especially in English as well I used to say it to my year sixes said you're not allowed to write anything not to pick up your pen until you have a thought in your mind or you have a sentence in your mind and Gareth said it a few times as well and these kinds of ideals have to run throughout the whole school otherwise I'm not sure that they work so thank you uh, we've got hundred yard old chemist I think um I think that the steam programs help with maths a lot so not sure what the subject matter so we've been talking about um maths and problem solving in maths and how to approach it and we had Gareth Metcalf on who is the founder of IC maths which are a fabulous collection of problem solving activities for year three up to year six so we've been chatting about how to approach problem solving in the primary classroom and also I guess in the high school uh, classroom and one of the things he said that really resonated with me because I've done it a few times and it is nice to know that when you are doing something in your classroom someone else is doing it as well they validate the fact that you are doing something correctly in that minimize the challenge in terms of the numbers that we are using in maths so like I said if I'm teaching a new concept such as ratio I don't need to use massive numbers to explain a concept so we have to think are we explaining a concept or are we getting the children to use their arithmetic skills and if I take out the scariness of large numbers then all the children need to do is focus on the method that I am teaching them and understanding the method so we can play around with methods um, when we are using lower numbers I think that's a really important Thing to try out in your classrooms whether it be a high school maths problem high school maths classroom or a primary school maths classroom and I can vouch for the fact that it really works and it takes the the scariness um, out of the maths so yeah I hope you've enjoyed the show thank you for listening um, next week I'm going to be back with a colleague of mine who is a teacher but is moving on to something different he is moving into the role as a counsellor um, and I think a lot of the times as teachers we get burnt out we lose our passion for the job um, and it's good to know that there are other avenues out there and as teachers we have the most amazing skill sets um, and uh, I think that the bus business and industry sector could do with a few teachers in it so um, hopefully you guys will tune in next week and I really enjoyed talking to Gareth so thank you Gareth for coming on please check out his resources on IC Reasoning 
um and yeah thank you for listening in hopefully you guys will come back next week what we got here teachers need to be paid like doctors absolutely without teachers there would be no doctors so uh absolutely i agree but we don't do it for the pay i think sometimes we do it for for the love and for the for the joy of seeing um the penny the penny drop and the children really something clicking so yeah well thank you for listening in to me on teachers talk radio it's been fab having you here tonight we're nearly at the weekend guys so i hope you have a fabulous friday and i will be back next thursday at the same time with my colleague uh, ben talking about roots out of teaching and is there uh, are there roots out and are there jobs out there if uh, you want to use your skill sets somewhere else and i'm sure there definitely are and we'll hear from ben about his journey from teacher to counsellor so thanks for listening in guys have a fabulous rest of the evening and a fabulous friday and enjoy your weekend i will see you next thursday bye bye This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.